0: we have to gather and sing these praises to you i pray that you'd be with scott as he comes forward to bring us the word that you would use him as a faithful instrument and that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you or the joy of being in your family i pray that they would be convicted today and come to a saving knowledge of you we love you and we pray this in your son's name amen please be seated Good morning. My name is Scott. I'm one of the elders here uh, at Pillar. I'm so thankful that you guys have uh, decided to join us here this Sunday morning, uh, and I look forward to uh, worshiping and fellowshiping with you. If you have your, your Bibles, uh, please join me uh, in Philippians. Uh, we'll be starting in chapter 1, verse 1. If you're using one of the provided Bibles uh, from underneath the chairs to uh, Philippians starts on page uh, 921, and if you guys don't have a a Bible of your own, please take that one uh, from us as a gift from us to you. Uh, So Philippians is found after Ephesians, before Colossians, still have trouble finding it, please feel free to uh, use your table of contents in the front of your Bible. So if you were here uh, the past few months, you know we uh, spent a lot of time in the Old Testament. Uh, We recently preached through uh, three books of the Old Testament, specifically Ezra, Esther, and Nehemiah, which we finished up last week uh, with a sermon preached by Pastor Brian. So we'll transition now. Uh, In this next series, we're going to be uh, in the New Testament, Uh, More specifically, in Paul's letter to uh, the Philippians. Philippians was written uh, around 60, 62 AD. Um, The Philippian church was the first town in Europe where uh, Paul had established a church, and this was during his second missionary journey. Uh, We we see that back uh, in Acts chapter 16 when Paul is traveling with Silas. So as we, we read this and as we start this sermon series, it's going to be uh, 10 sermons preached throughout. Uh, I want you to think of uh, what the overarching theme of Paul's letter is to the Philippians. And it's to pursue gospel-centered unity for the sake of gospel advancement in all circumstances to glorify God. I'll say that again. Pursue gospel centered unity for the sake of the gospel for the sake of gospel advancement sorry in all circumstances to glorify God let me begin with saying this everyone's everyone centers their life on something the question is what what is that thing which we center our life on That thing which usually guides all decisions and motives that we have? Is it work? Is it social media? Is it sports? Is it politics? What about your children, for those of you who are parents out there? How about this? Do you live a life that is centered around you? I talked about the overarching theme for Philippians, um, and part of that is about living a gospel-centered life. You see, a gospel-centered life is simply a life that is centered on Jesus Christ, a life that a believer lives with deep, innate desires to make Christ known to others, who enjoys worshiping and fellowshipping with other believers. It's grieved over personal sin, and we have many more to speak of. Just in these first 11 verses, we will read about Paul and the life he lived regardless of circumstance, a life that was centered on the gospel, the partnership, the attitude of gratefulness, and encouragement that he had for the Philippian church, all to the glory of God. So would you please follow along uh, as I read, starting in chapter 1, I will be going from verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that those who walked through those doors are ready to receive your word. That though their hearts may be heavy and troubled, be softened, and their ears inclined to hear your word, for your word is life-giving. And Father, let the Spirit guide and deliver your word rightly, for when I open my mouth, there is nothing I can do or say of my own accord. Thank you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So today I'd like to walk you through some ways. These aren't exclusive, uh, but these are ways in which uh, I believe the Bible uh, tells us uh, that we can and should be participating in gospel-centered fellowship. So I have eight ways. Uh, they're not It's not going to be super long, so you guys aren't going to be falling asleep out there when you hear eight. I know that seems like a large number, but uh, quick practical points. Uh, And I just, I want you guys to to think and, and stew on these. So the first of the eight is have a servant heart and mind. Have a servant heart and mind. Right off in verse one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. Paul describes himself and Timothy as servants of Christ Jesus, servants to the advancement and proclamation of the gospel. This means that they laid aside all rights of their own in order that they might serve others. Paul set forth to serve the Philippian church, well, for the sake of the gospel, not because they were living in unrepentant sin or being infiltrated by false teachings, but because he genuinely cared for them. You see, those who come to know Jesus, who is the ultimate example of servitude, have a desire within them, a desire to abandon all rights for his name's sake, to faithfully seek his will, to serve humbly and selflessly. It is something that overflows outwardly from the heart in every area of your life. So right off the bat, I ask you this question. So what what areas of having a servant heart for the sake of the gospel can you grow in? Do you seek to be comfortable, which is very easy for every single one of us, including myself, uh, and our heart's natural inclination? But that's not what we're called to do. Remember under what circumstances Paul is writing this letter from his imprisonment in Rome which he will spend two years in prison there. So again, that first point, have a servant heart and mind. Number two, give prayers of praise and thanksgiving. Verses three to five, Paul writes, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul denotes such joy because of the partnership he has with the Philippians. Because of their committed life to the the gospel. Paul sees that reflected in the way they care for him. The deep personal concern for his well-being, because again, he's writing from prison. The Philippians, like Paul, are grounded and rooted in the gospel. Paul's prayers are done with joy as he prays prayers of intercession on their behalf according to God's will. Prayers that ultimately sought the glory of God and not Paul's own. If I were to take a poll by show of hands on which areas of your Christian life you could improve, you, like myself, would probably say prayer life, more likely than not. However, it is important that we do not neglect the fundamental philosophy of Christian prayer. As one author states, it is an acknowledgment of our helplessness and dependence. When we are on our knees, we know that it is not we who control the world. What we do every time we pray is to confess our own impotence and God's sovereignty. Pray, pray with fervency and consistency, pray with joy on behalf of others. Number three, be partakers of God's grace. Be partakers of God's grace. I say this point because I think that is something we we overlook sometimes or forget and the grace in which we have been given, not by anything that we have done. So verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul relates the, the same level of feeling in his heart uh, for the Philippians, both in his imprisonment and as if he would be doing in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. They share in the same grace God has given them. Paul's describing here that it is it does not matter uh, if I am bound by chains or out proclaiming and defending the gospel. I will feel the same way about you. Why? Because he holds them in his heart. He knows what it means to enjoy the same great and undeserving treasure of fellowship found in God's grace. So again, we should be partakers of, of God's grace with one another. So for the Christian, your life, the entire way that you live can be seen as God's constant unmerited grace for you. Not by any works or anything that can do that you can do to find favor with God, but through and only through the atoning work Of Jesus Christ. Point number four is give and receive biblical encouragement. I want to emphasize this point give and receive biblical encouragement. If you spend any time in the New Testament, you know that Paul's letters come with uh, fierce rebuke among them, you know, specifically uh, 1 Corinthians where Paul is uh, rebuking them for division within the church, um, defilement, sexual immorality that has entered the congregation. Well, not this one. So contrary to that, Paul writes to the Philippians with, with great delight encouragement, and, and joy. Uh, he's pursuing them to not be satisfied with uh, where they are spiritually, but to continue on so that, if we, you look at verses 9 and 10 here, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. We're looking toward that day in which Christ, who will bring to light all of the inner motives, thoughts, and attitudes that only God knows. The encouragement is both ways here. That's why I said give and receive biblical encouragement. Paul is encouraged by them. Just the same, the Philippians seek to encourage Paul through his ministry, even knowing that he is a prisoner for the sake of the gospel. The Philippians, knowing that Paul is a prisoner for Christ, could have turned the other way. They could have done an about-face, but no. They stuck with him. They continued to stick with him. They helped to provide for him. They sent him gifts. They sent him money so that he could continue on with that ministry of proclaiming the gospel. And as we read on through Philippians, you'll see that. You'll see what Paul is able to do within his time in prison at Rome. This week, as I was um, working on the sermon, I had, I had the pleasure of talking uh, to a few people uh, in regards to giving and receiving biblical encouragement. Um, both stated about times in their life where folks sitting out in this congregation right here, members of this church took the time to walk up and say something like this. "Hey, Mike, hey John." Hey, Stephanie, whatever name you put in there, you have served the church in this area so well. It has made such an impact on the life of this church and the body. They mentioned specific areas uh, of encouragement in what they had noticed that those people were doing in the life of the church. Not just a blanket statement, just thanks for everything that you have done, no specific things. And it stuck with them years down the road. Sometimes I, for, I, I think we forget to do this, to give and receive biblical encouragement at times when people need it the most. This is not so they could gain favor with that person. Again, if we go back, it's the outpouring of the heart because they genuinely were thankful and wanted to encourage them. Listen, there are times for rebuke. We know that. And if you sit here long enough, we preach expositionally, we will get to that. But do not neglect to show the saints genuine appreciation and admiration. Paul writes in Romans 12, verse 10, Love one another, with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do that through biblical encouragement. Point number five is love one another. Love one another. In verse eight, Paul writes, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you, all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Did you read that, if you can't feel the intensity of Paul's genuine and compassionate love, in those first five words, for God is my witness, it's a testament to the truthfulness behind the love that Paul has for the Philippians. It's because of the affection that Paul has for Jesus Christ. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 22 to 24 reads, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And through that, through the living and abiding word of God, we obtain this same yearning, the same love, and this same affection that both Peter and Paul write about in their letters. Letters. Christians who have repented of their sins and believe in the truth of the gospel have obtained this love and begin to love one another passionately, as Paul shows for the Philippians. Again, verse 5 was simply just love one another. Point six, persevere in the gospel. Persevere in the gospel. So point six goes with verse six, and I am sure of this, uh, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I had mentioned back in the beginning that uh, the Philippians uh, are doing and living a gospel-centered life uh, corporately uh, amongst the congregation. Paul knew that those in the Philippian church were eternally secured and that they would continue on to be set apart from the world. Paul professes to them that they can have confidence that He, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion. He will not let them go. He will be faithful to ensure that they inherit their eternal reward a life of good works for the gospel, which God set before the foundation of the world, those good works would glorify God and not themselves. I want you to recognize something here uh, just from this, this verse. There's a corporate process involved in the process of sanctification. Paul and the Philippians sought sanctification in in one another, helping one another to grow more and more in Christ's likeness. This occurs in the community with the saints. Hebrews 10, uh, verses 24 to 25 reads, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Perseverance in the gospel is not a one-man or one-woman show. Try it, and it will not work. We should be seeking to build community and unity within the body of Christ so again persevere in the gospel point number seven is place the gospel first place the gospel first The gospel, even when Paul and Silas uh, traveled to Philippi the first time, back in Acts chapter 16, verses 12 to 40. Uh, as you read through that, you read that they were imprisoned as well. Remained the, so the gospel remained the constant and on the forefront of their relationship. Paul sought to, sen, sought to center the gospel uh, on every aspect of his life. And by doing so, by being that example, follow me as I follow Christ, this helped the Philippian church maintain gospel-centered unity. It should remain on the forefront of our minds, our lips, our hearts, our prayers, during evangelism to the lost. Even when we disciple, we must not lose sight. Again, it's not, it is important that we never forget the gospel, which is why we constantly need that reminder. It's why we do the Lord's Supper weekly, because we want to remember uh, the sacrifice uh, that Christ um, had given through the shedding of his blood on that cross. The sins that we were once bound by, the death that we so much deserve, and the penalty, again, Christ paid for our sins when he died on that. Again, point number eight, and the the eighth and final point, uh, is live out the gospel. Verse 11, Paul writes, uh, filled to the Philippians, filled with the fruit uh, of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul talks about the Philippians being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Paul is calling the believers in the church to not be satisfied with where they currently are, but to continue to walk more and more in obedience, to seek holiness and excellence by doing and not just saying and ultimately bringing glory to God who redeemed them. This means living a gospel-centered life, not individually as a Christian, but corporately, as I mentioned before, in community with the body of believers. Folks, when we are consumed by the gospel, it will reflect in every aspect of our lives. From seeking holiness, to walking in faith and obedience, deep, Passionate, gospel-centered prayers for brothers and sisters in Christ. It will shape how we steward the things in which God has allowed us to have and entrusted us with. So again, above all, live out the gospel. I pray after hearing all of these, again, they're not exclusive, but the Bible is very clear on many of those. I pray that we would reorient ourselves on Jesus Christ, that our life would be centered on the gospel, and again, we would above all seek to glorify God. Much of what was spoken today... um, it takes place within the life of the church. Folks, I want to I share something uh, with you uh, quick about this past week uh, in my life, and my family. Uh, my wife and I began the process uh, to adopt a child with special needs, uh, a call we felt for quite a long time, uh, many, many years. And after six months, we finally received our finalized home study. Uh, This was just about two weeks ago, uh, maybe 10 days. After receiving that home study, which honestly we couldn't even use because it was soaking wet uh, from just transportation in the mail, I really don't know what happened. um, Four days later, we received a very unexpected phone call on Friday, July 2nd. Uh, This was about a baby girl who was in the NICU who needed a family. And from the first time we met her, we loved her. We are now in the process of adopting her, and since then we've been spending most of our time with her in the NICU. I tell you that to tell you this. What has been the biggest encouragement as we navigate this has been the outpouring of support from our church family. Every day we get some kind of um, reminder that people are praying for us and ready and willing to help us in any way that they can the day we got a phone call, my wife called one of the members of the church telling you before she could even finish her sentence, they offered to watch our three children for the entire day as we traveled to meet the baby. And even through the home study process, our community group never let a week slip by without asking and praying for our adoption process. I tell you this, Because this happens within the life of the church. This church. This is what makes church membership so beautiful. The community of gospel-centered fellowship among the body of believers. If you're already a member, I ask you this, are there ways in which you, like myself, can grow in your commitment to this church, to help grow this church in support of Christ's universal church. If you are not already a member and have repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to take the next step. You can speak with myself. I'll be down uh, here uh, at the end of service or Richard Blair, or anyone that you see up here uh, up front and on stage. Um, and I'll talk about it more. We have a, a membership class on July 18th and I would love to, to see you guys there. So uh, I thank you guys uh, and would you please join me uh, in prayer. Father, I am uh, so thankful for this church, uh, which you have built uh, on the foundation of your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, the outpouring of love uh, from the heart, from this body, uh, has been so encouraging. Uh, and Lord, I pray uh, that uh, just after hearing um, the, the preached word today, Lord, that your spirit would stir um those to strive for gospel-centered unity, um, that we would continue to evaluate ourselves, Lord, that our lives would not be centered on ourselves or the things that we have or the things that we do, uh, the works that we think get us closer and merit with you, God, uh, for we know that there is is nothing that we can do uh, on our own accord to gain favor with you. God, I pray again that we would just, you would stir us. God, that we would be guided by your word uh, and nothing else. Lord, I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. As the musicians come up, uh, I would encourage you uh, to take a moment, uh, reflect uh, on what was spoken today. Uh, and if you need to to take take time and pray uh, during this song. Um, again, thank you guys. Stand and sing with me before the throne of God above. Before the throne of God above, uh, one second.